start with doctrine and start with doctrine and build from that and, and then apply it. But really, First Corinthians, he just gets right in there and starts hitting some of the problems that are going on in the church. Of course, First Corinthians chapter 15 is kind of a separate thing there on the resurrection, some of the best uh, doctrinal uh, material that we have in the Bible. But in here, he's talking about the Corinthians and in all the issues that they had. And he comes to chapter 13 and he starts talking about what is the most excellent way for the church, for our families, that we might live together in loving one another. And so I want to start reading and I'm going to start in verse one and we'll read uh, through to verse seven as we think about what this this love is, this most excellent way that we need. Paul writes here in verse one, and he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. No, no prophet. If you don't have love, you can you can have amazing gifts, but no one's going to listen. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I have no no value if if I have all these wonderful spiritual gifts and I don't have sacrificial love for the people I'm talking to. It's no one's going to listen and I have no impact, no influence. Verse three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and that is sacrifice. But if I don't have if I don't have charity or love, it profits me nothing. So you can sacrificially give of yourself but if you're not giving it for the, the betterment of that other person, it's of no value. It's not profitable. It profits me nothing. Then we see these, these 15 perfections, this description of, of love. He says, charity suffereth long. Charity is patient with people. Charity is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't brag about itself. It's it is is not like a windbag. It's not puffed up that that pride, that inner attitude of someone that boasts of themselves. It does not behave itself unseemly. It's not rude. Love is not rude. It, it thinks of others. It seeks not her own. It's selfless is not easily provoked. That's the idea of being irritated or becoming angry at someone. It thinks no evil. And that's the idea of doesn't keep a record of the wrongs of others. But it rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I'm going to key in on that this evening. Verse seven, and he continues and he says it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask this evening that you would help us to have this type of love. Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. You do a work, Lord. It's, it's so easy to become selfish. It's so easy to do things for our own glory and for our own pride. And uh, Lord, that is not the most excellent way. That's a selfish way. That's the problems and all the things that were going on with the Corinthians. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take a look at your word that we would incline our ears unto you this evening, that we would have your thoughts and your ways in our life. And Lord, as we talk about rejoicing, not in iniquity, Lord, I pray that you would show us specific areas in our life 
where we are rejoicing in iniquity, rejoicing in sin. And how we need to, Lord, turn that over to you and think about our thoughts and, and the things that come out of our mouth. But Lord, help us to rejoice with the truth. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified through this message now. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to focus in on these two perfections of rejoicing not in iniquity, but rejoicing in the truth. And there's truly a, uh, the opposite idea there, and there's a contrast there. Rejoicing not in iniquity. This word iniquity is the word for sin. It's the word we use, and it's, it's anything that, that displeases God. And often we have a saying with our children, sin is anything you think, say, or do that breaks God's law. And you say, Pastor Nathan, I, I don't really rejoice in iniquity. I don't really do that. Well, let's think about that a little bit tonight. There's really maybe two aspects of rejoicing in iniquity. There's one way of boasting it in our own lives. And this really comes, can come from an arrogant heart, a, a, a heart that wants to boast really against the things of God. And also the idea of rejoicing in the iniquity of others. Think about those two aspects. Rejoicing in, in one's own sin. This, this took place in chapter 5 of this book here. And, and Paul here, he's confronting them. In chapter 5, there was fornication and there was incest in the church. And they even said they were boasting of this. And they were saying that, oh, what a loving church. We're accepting this sin. In fact, this is a wonderful thing. And they're boasting in their own sinfulness. And Paul rebukes them and he says, you need to get right. You need to take care of this. You need to have a pure church. You see, folks, there's times in our own lives where we rejoice in things that are wrong. And often somebody that does not know the Lord uh, will boast and say, well, I can do all these things and I can, you know, forget the Bible. I can I can do this sin and there's not going to be any ramifications to this sin. And you can just watch me and you can see this. And it's just kind of an affront to God. Almost that person becoming saying that they are God and I can go do this and I can go do that and it's no big deal. Folks, you know what happens to people like that? God humbles them. I can think of specific times in the Bible where people became prideful in their own sin. You think of King Nebuchadnezzar where he says, look at all that I have done, all that I have built up. All the things that, that are here, and he really takes all the glory for himself. And God humbles him like that. Think of also um, uh, one of the Herods there in the book of Acts. How they, they behead James. And, and how they take Paul, uh, who is it? Paul or Peter into prison. And at the very end there, he's, he's speaking against the things of God, and God takes his life. You see, folks, it's very easy in our own life, at times, to, to rejoice in sin, either trying to get away with something or we turn the truth and twist it and we become accepting of certain sins and we say that that's okay. When that happens, it's because we've turned from the Bible and we're not reading and seeking after righteousness. But there's another reason. There's a reason of of maybe loving another person, or we use the phrase, we're a loving church. But they're really not in the framework of truth. You can't love somebody if you're not in the framework of truth. True love corrects. True love deals with 
sin. True love wants to be right with God. I think it was Ernest Hemingway who was taking a course of sin and he said, he even wrote an article and said that he could do all these things and he would just get away with it. But almost 10 years to the date after that article was written, he took out a gun and he committed suicide. You can't say there's not consequences to sin. You say, well, Pastor Nathan, I don't go around really rejoicing in my, in my iniquity. In fact, if anything, we try to hide it, don't we? Um, and we try to make ourselves feel better by looking at the iniquities of others. And this is probably where, more where we need to think, think on this and, and, and really ask God to speak to our hearts. And this is the idea of rejoicing in the iniquities of others. Folks, all you have to do is get a newspaper <laughs> or go online to go to Fox News or CNN or something and go on there and see all of the horrible acts that have taken place and how people are just reading about this and they're selling papers and they're writing books and people are reading these things. And though they're not necessarily rejoicing, it, it's selling and people are promoting these things and talking about these things. And, and it's sad, isn't it? It can be very sad. You see, as as Christians, often it's easy to start comparing ourselves with someone else that is living in sin. And we start comparing. We say, well, I don't do those things. And so we start puffing ourselves up. Oh, boy, do we got to be careful. You know, we don't look to that other person. We look to Jesus Christ. And every one of us falls short. And it's only through the blood of Christ that we have that cleansing and that God can help. And so we, we at times want to make ourselves feel more holy by, by looking at that and, and uh, in the iniquity that's going on and puff ourselves up. But our standard truly is Christ's righteousness and accepting that and finding that cleansing. You know, really, this is the root of, of gossiping. Do you know that? Is gossip is the idea of recounting evil things. And people will say, but I'm telling the truth. That's just how it happened. So you need to know what took place. Folks, that's that's the idea here of rejoicing in iniquity. Um, someone has said. Or, or many years ago, the the Moody Church News carried a humorous story about a woman in a small town who was known for being a gossip. One day on vacation, she visited the offices of the Chicago Daily News. She was wearing a white dress and inadvertently leaned against a wall where a freshly printed copy of the front page was hanging. It was a hot, humid day, and some of the print came off on the back of her white dress. Could you imagine, women? <laughs> Later, as she walked down the street to meet her husband, she noticed that people, uh, people walking behind her were snickering. When she reached the place where her husband was waiting, she asked him if there was anything on her back that, she, that shouldn't be there. As she she turned around, he read the large black reversed letters, S-W-E capital N, Y-L-A-I capital D, Daily News. Realizing the appropriateness of the words, he said, no, dear, nothing's on your back that doesn't belong there. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a nice husband, but (laughs) Uh, honest husband, maybe. You know, somebody that is a gossip, there's somebody that go around spreading stuff and spreading it. And often it's not 
favorable things. It's things that people did wrong or didn't do right. Folks, we got to catch ourselves. It's so easy to gossip. It's so easy to put down somebody. And, and we're doing this in such a way that we think, oh, we want to be a blessing. We need to help people. We need to help people understand. Or No. Rejoice not in iniquity. Four preachers met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, our people come to us and pour out their ears or pour out their uh, pour out their hearts. They confess their certain sins and needs. Let's do the same. Confession is good for the soul. In due time, all agreed. One confessed he liked to go to the movies and would sneak off when away from his church. The second confessed to liking to smoke cigars. And the third one confessed to liking to play cards and gambling. When it came to the fourth one, he he wouldn't confess. The others pressed him saying, come on now, we confessed ours. What is your secret or your vice? Finally, he answered, it is gossiping, gossiping, and I can hardly wait to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be careful. (laughs) Folks, gossiping can cause so much, so much, so much problems in the church, in our community, in our families, in our lives. Rejoicing not in iniquity. Someone said this, that was very helpful. A a simple formula to think about, should I say something? Is it appropriate for me to say what's on my mind? Often we speak our mind before we think about what we, we should say. And that's very easy as true love wants to speak the truth in love, wants to help somebody. But often we don't we don't have that filter on. We just speak what's right there and we don't think about what what we're saying. I thought this was helpful. It was the idea of the acronym of think. The first question was, is it true? Okay, it was what I'm going to tell this person. Is it true? H was, is it helpful? Is this going to help this person to grow closer to the Lord or grow grow in, in whatever we're trying to help them with? The I was, is it inspiring? Is it going to inspire them to grow closer to God? And is it necessary? And lastly, K, is it kind? Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? I thought that was very helpful. We need to check ourselves when we're tempted to gossip. You know, it can also be, and I don't see this as often in, in adults, although it's there, I think it's there in the workplace, but the idea of tattletelling. I see that more with children lots of times. And the idea is that you want to tell on somebody and they're the wrong that they've done and the sin that they've done, not to help them, <laughs> but so that they will get in trouble. And there's some type of a satisfaction in somebody else getting in trouble. But true, that, this happens in the workplace too. And parents, I think it's good for us with our kids to remind our children that we need to rejoice not in iniquity, but we need to rejoice in the truth. And so <clears throat> even tattletelling, this sin is, is uh, an affront to God. You know, as Christians, we, we, um, when we see the iniquity in other people's lives, in our own lives, we don't really want to rejoice in that. We don't want to rejoice because we know there's consequences and we know that we need to get right with God and we're out of fellowship with God. We ought to, lo- we ought to love 
the truth and we ought to hate that iniquity. What should be our proper response when we're confronted with sin in our own life and sin in others? Well, it should be to grieve over our sin. We shouldn't be rejoicing in it. We should be grieving that that there's this sin in, in, in Matthew, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We should confess our sin. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 1, and he heard all the things that were taking place in, in Israel. He what? He, he went and he went before the Lord and he said this. Uh, let me read it. Nehemiah 1, 4, he says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech the old Lord God of heaven, the great and, and awesome God, that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee. We have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgment which you commanded thy servant Moses. You see, he's asking God to pardon not only himself, but to pardon his country as he is a leader. And also Daniel in chapter Daniel, chapter nine, he confesses his own sin and the sin of the people and he confesses it to God. He doesn't rejoice in it. He grieves over it. Folks, when we hear gossip and we hear things and we see things in other believers lives, we are not rejoice in it. We ought not to spread it, gossip about it, or tattletale. We ought to bring it before the Lord and confess our sin and get right with God. We ought to look to Him. We ought not to rejoice in the vices, but we ought to rejoice in the virtues of others. The Bible says rejoicing not in iniquity, but rejoicing in the truth, or you could say with the truth. We ought to rejoice not in error, false teaching or false doctrine, but we ought to rejoice in the truth or with the truth. What should we be rejoicing about? We should be rejoicing about the gospel and rejoicing about what God has done in our lives and and in his word. You see, this is where the ecumenical movement came out of. The ecumenical movement is where churches came together and they said, for love's sake, Let's get together and let's combine and let's do all these good social things. And many of those things were good, but they said, let's put our differences aside. Let's put the truth aside. Let's put doctrine aside and let's just join arms and love one another. Folks, that is the furthest thing from the biblical truth that we're talking about here. Love rejoices with the truth. You know, what we center and what we rally around is we rally around the truth. And it's with that truth that we rally and that's what we rejoice in. That's how we love. That's that's our guide. We have to hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. We've got to we've got to rally around the truth. If you would um, turn to second John chapter six. And I know you ladies have been going through uh, these these epistles of uh, first, second, third John. Second John. Verse six. John here writes and he says this. Here's a good definition. 
And this is love that we walk after his commandments. Why is that love? Because we are loving God and we are obeying him. We show our love by our obedience. And and it's not just outward, but it's an inward love for God and in trying to obey. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. It's not only speaking the truth, but it's living out the truth. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. They have a problem with the the incarnation of Christ, the virgin birth and in Christ being fully man. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. That's a strong word. Antichrist means against Christ. John here is saying, hey, you know what love is? Love is keeping God's commandments and obeying God. And when we when we don't. We don't have that rallying point of the truth. Then guess what? We can't rally around that. We can't rally around those that are bringing in false doctrines. Verse eight, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ, he has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the father and the son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, it's very specific here. Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. You see, folks, we've got to realize that we rally around the truth and somebody that isn't thinking biblically and they're throwing doctrine and truth out the door and they just want to unite around loving one another. That's not love. We've got to rally around this and how sweet it is when we rally around the truth. And rejoicing in the truth and the gospel, what God can do. This is how we know God. This is how we know the way. This is how we know how to be like God. If this is just thrown out the door and we say, well, let's just love each other. You have no you have no rallying point. How do you know to love each other? You're basing it on emotions and things like that instead of knowing how to really love and help somebody to grow closer with God. And so we ought to rejoice with the truth. And this is what in our in our times together that we ought to rejoice in what we ought to be talking about so much more than the Ducks football games. Okay. I'm encouraged tonight to hear Mike share that scripture and and rejoicing in the truth. That's what we rally behind. That's what we rejoice in. That's good Christian fellowship. Folks, I think there's something else here. I, I, I don't want us to miss this part, but there's also the idea of just being a positive influence on others. You're rejoicing in the truth. We can find, I think we have to be balanced. You can find sin in everybody. And problems in everybody. Is that is that the truth? <laughs> That's the truth, because we are all our hearts are, are wicked and deceitful. And each one of us has blind spots and we need to be patient with each other. And we need to love each other and help each other and look for those opportunities where we can help. Not not just having an eagle eye where we see sin and faults in everybody. That, that wasn't the way Jesus was. You saw Jesus, Jesus, even with the, the woman that came in and washed his feet. OK, all the, the uh, Pharisees, they were like, who is this? You're letting this lady touch you. <laughs> You're letting this lady do this. And what did Jesus say? What she has done will be remembered. He honored what she had done. 
you look throughout the Bible and and we don't see Christians with eagle eyes. They're very compassionate because they care for the soul of that person and they want that person to be saved and to grow. And there's a nurturing and there's a cherishing and and there's this idea of encourage one another, provoking each other to good works. You see, we ought to we ought to have, we ought to be um, positive. We ought to be pluses, not minuses. It's so easy to be a minus, isn't it? It's so easy to focus on all the things and not be an encourager. But in rejoicing with the truth is the idea that you are finding the positive, the things that that God is helping this person, the things that we can rejoice in and rally around. I was reading today of uh, some things about being an encouragement. And it was said of a child that went up to his dad and he said, Daddy, let's play darts. Okay, you got to be careful if you get the dartboard out with a a little kid. But... (laughs) He said, Daddy, you let me throw the darts and you say, wonderful, good job every time I throw, okay? <laughs> and Dad said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a point with, with children especially, you want to find the best that you can to encourage them. Someone can grow so much more with encouragement than they can with always being a minus and always finding the criticism. That, that's something that I'm speaking to myself and raising my own kids and trying to help them. There was another mom that she let her child use her camera. And he took all these pictures, you know, and how how children can be not really focusing and took all these. And the kid took 50 pictures, took all these pictures and they got them all developed. It was the time when they used to develop, you know, film, (laughs) got through it. And the dad took the stack and he went through it and he said, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. Went through all 50 and he said, well, maybe there's one out of 50 that looks okay." And that mom said, man. Son, you did an awesome job finding that one picture. And really, that is that is an amazing. I'm going to I'm going to put that one on my wall. And it was such an encouragement to that child. That child went on and kept developing his photography skills. And that became his career. You see how much encouragement can help somebody when you're rejoicing in the truth, when you're finding those things that please God and somebody can grow in an environment of encouragement but they can't grow in an environment of criticism. I've found that in coaching. I've, I coach, I've coached little little kids with soccer. There's a whole lot I can criticize. Okay, <laughs> they don't know any better. But I tell you, you go up individually, and, and they say this for for coaching. They say you have a board, and you you write down each kid's name, and you look for areas they can improve, but also areas that they're doing well, so that you tell them, man, you're really you're really able to stop that ball, and then. To look around and to pat. You've done a great job. By the way, let's help you with this area. They say in Kids for Truth, or uh, not Kids for Truth, Kids Sports, they say like five five encouragements for every one criticism. They talked about, um, and this is not necessarily secular, but I think it's, it's true. It's just a principle of encouragement. Even with, uh, who's that great coach in basketball that coached the Bulls and then went and coached the Lakers? I can't think of his name right now. What's that? Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson said, even in an interview, he said, you know what? I used to think I could just criticize my players and criticize and find all the faults. And, and these are professionals. They're supposed to learn and they're supposed to work on their game and get better. He said, you know what I found? I soon found that even professionals work way better with praise and encouragement than they do with criticism you see folks it's easy to criticize 
But how much better is it if you really love that person to find those areas that we can rally around to encourage, to help them to have an environment of growth where they can grow with our children, with one another in the church. But we've got to rally around the truth of his word. And this is what we can rejoice in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your word tonight. And Lord, um, we know that this type of love is not something we can just muster up in something that we can just be determined to have. It's, it's truly a supernatural love. It is a sacrificial love that just like what Christ had when he demonstrated it upon the cross and gave his life and, and shed his blood and was pierced for us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us this evening to realize that if we truly love you and we love others, we're going to let the Spirit of God control us. And Lord, instead of having that eagle lie and trying to find all the issues and the faults and the sin and the problems, that we look with an eye of encouragement, an eye of how can I, how can I be an encouragement? Praying for one another, praying for, for each other, confessing our sin and And finding that encouragement that's in the Lord. And Lord, it's easy to become just self-pity even with our own sins. And to think upon all the sins. And we can't get victory. We can't get victory. But Lord, are we rejoicing in the truth? The fact that you've saved us and you cleanse us. And you live inside us. And your spirit lives there. And Lord, when we start rejoicing in, in what you've done, Lord. Oh, it can help us to find that true victory instead of having self-pity. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love one another and to love you as you have demonstrated that for us. We love you now and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.